and welcome to Meet Me in the Middle, the podcast that looks for the middle. I'm Annika <laughs> Buckle. <laughs> I'm Lee Farling. And I'm Jenny Omani. If you are enjoying this podcast or the conversations that we're having, we would enjoy a five-star review rating on whatever platform you are listening on. It genuinely, like in all honesty, it really means a lot. Um, and if you're not enjoying it, that's fine. Just go along your day and don't leave a review. <laughs> so if you haven't caught last week's episode, we talked a little bit about um, how to be in communication with people that we you don't necessarily agree with. Um, and today we're going to talk in, we're, gonna, we're just going to get a little more personal. And we're just going to talk a little more about like what, like what, what it's looked like for us to change our minds or to hold space with people that we disagree with and how kind of that shows up for us. So also just a note, if this format is something that you like, please be sure to reach out and let us know um, so we can give you more of what you want. And if you don't like it, then that's fine. Just don't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Your silence is enough. (laughs) um so jenny do you want to kick us off like what what does this look like for you how's this how does this show up for you in your life yeah i mean and we talked about this last time i am a firstborn child it is my job to be right if i am not right the world is an unsafe place for me to be in um and i fully functioned in that space for a very long time and still slip there sometimes it's definitely one of the things that I've worked on like with my therapist and whatnot it's like one of the the topics because the thing is when you are used to feeling feeling convicted about being right it makes you feel very unsafe feeling feeling being wrong and it's that like deep triggering feeling um and like zero happiness exists in that space and life is too short so um and this is where professional therapists are phenomenal because they have uh like they have what's that movie i have a special set of skills liam neeson taken is that what it is i don't know oh my god oh it's terrible i don't actually even recommend you watch it but he's like anyways if you know the reference that's great if you don't just (laughs) carry, carry on but um yeah, they have special skills for that. It's been uh, definitely a process, but like I used to want to be right about everything. And like it felt like everything was worth defending to the bitter end about being right mm-hmm. about. And I have to say, since I've really put that as a focus over the last couple of years, it feels really nice to give zero shits about mm-hmm. being right about stuff. Like when you actually have that first moment where you're like, oh, I haven't dug in on this and I, it actually isn't important. It's kind it's like really nice. It's a very big pivot point. I mean, it's still like in my DNA. So like, it's always going to be like a thing, but I don't know. It's been really nice to make it a targeted thing to focus on. And yeah, like I said, not dying on Hills is a pretty spectacular place to be. Means you get to go about living. You just live your life. <laughs> Weird. So Jenny, I have some questions for you. So you say you worked on this with your therapist. So what were yeah. some of the things that she kind of like teased apart for you that has allowed you to get from like this one side of the coin of I got to be right for my own safety to being able to be like effectively not attached to the outcome? Like what were some, what did some of that work look like? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it, it really boiled down to like 
looking at situations because like if you haven't been to therapy you really need to go it's phenomenal if you have any extended benefits it's probably covered mm-hmm. at least in part um but it's so you talk about your specific circumstances like what pissed me off this week what made me feel upset this week you know what was triggering for me and then really in dialogue looking at like was that actually something that but did you die but (laughs) did you die and like was there ever any real um actual not threat but possibility that something significant could happen if you were were wrong or whatever because I think a lot of times like there are legitimate places in life where like you need to do the right thing Mm -hmm. and like coming from a being firstborn but also like working in ICU like you can genuinely be wrong about things and there can be very significant consequences to that but like that doesn't really spill over into your day-to-day life with most things right like if you're not in an abusive relationship if you're not like there are very serious things that you know yeah um, and with a caveat that we talked about last time we're not talking about racism homophobia transphobia the patriarchy we're not talking about things that are physical dangers to people's existence and lives but yeah you know to your point that's the difference between you know being wrong about something in the icu and disagreeing with somebody about you know the best monetary policy around inflation yeah (laughs) organic apples over Mm non-organic right Mm -hmm. Right. so it just really looked like um a personalized tailored conversations about whatever i was feeling triggered by or upset with which is kind of like the gist of therapy it's so personalized but yeah so it basically was like a dissection of whatever I was concerned about and then sort of, um, gently probing at whether that was quite literate, was that something to be really worried about or not? And mm-hmm. I mean, spoiler alert, the answer was no for mm-hmm. mo- most things. No, there were some things that were legitimately, um, you know, like, okay, this is an area to really feel fairly frustrated with. And I think that that conversation with a professional is, a uh, is a different ball of wax, but yeah, for the most part, no, it really wasn't. There was no ride or dies. <laughs> um, Lee, what about you? What is this? What does this look like for you? Or how has this showed up for you? Yeah. So I think that for me, a lot of it has to do with just getting older to be perfectly honest. Right. I am less interested in putting the energy into fighting. <laughs> than I was at one point, right? Like I would far rather put my energy into being creative or having a conversation with my kids or my husband or into my school or into you guys, or, you know, it's just being a little bit more judicious about the directionality that I actually want my energy to go into. And then, you know, sort of similar to Jenny, just deciding like, is this really a hill I need to die on? Like if I let this person walk away from this conversation feeling like either they're right or, you know, I didn't like beat them to a pulp over whatever it is that they were talking about. Like, is that the world's worst thing? No. Um, the other thing is too, is that I've just come to realize, like, I mean, I started realizing this when I actually moved to Thailand. So I moved to Thailand when I was in my early twenties and I was flabbergasted at the way that people lived there. I couldn't believe it. Right. Like, kids awake having like <laughs> snacks with their parents at like 1130 at night at like a side street bar restaurant, like, you know, playing with a ball beside like a, a, a 
25 lane highway and like it's, you know, or having a whole family on their motorcycle, like running down the street or whatever, or taking a nap in the middle of the day, or like spending all your money on designer handbags when you're 32, because you still live with your parents, right? Like just seeing this entirely non-Western way of living really opened up my eyes to the fact that lots of people can live in different ways and they're perfectly happy and it's fine. It doesn't need to be my choice, but also I don't need to fight with them about it. Right. So I've been on a little bit of like a a journey since then of just trying my best to hold multiple perspectives. Um, I'm not always totally good at it. If I get my back up, that feels hard to come down from. And then also if I'm feeling threatened, right? So, but my go-to in that respect is I'll just drop out of the conversation, which is also probably not very healthy. I need to look a little bit more as to why it is when people are really riled up about something that that feels, that that's the part that feels personally unsafe to me. I'm not worried Mm. about whether or not someone sees me as correct or not by that point. By that point, I'm worried about like my body doesn't feel safe. Now, are these people going to actually do something to me? No, it's like, you know, I think that it's like my old ancestral fear of like the bear in the corner that's going to eat me. And all of a sudden I identify my buddy who just happens to have really passionate feelings about X, Y, Z as the bear who's going to eat me. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is that part great? No, it's not. Um, you know, even with my husband, like I've had to learn, there are times where I just need to stop talking. Actually, like the best way to be wrong and not die is just to stop talking and just to like, not, not keep picking at that scab, not Mm -hmm. keep going at it. You know what I mean? Um, and I also will say there has been a lot of people for whom in the last two years who have gone a different direction with their life, which they are absolutely entitled to do. And like, those are their choices and I can't follow them there. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I just can't go there with them. Um, I hope at some point we're able to be in relationship where we can start to have those conversations again. But currently um, that door is not open on the other side. So I also think being a little judicious around deciding which doors to knock on, mm-hmm. you know, which doors am I knocking on? Which of these conversations um, are likely to actually result in some sort of positive progress. And that's, I'm fine if that's me coming towards the middle to also, like, I don't, I don't necessarily need to be right. What I need is for a relationship to either stay the same or improve as a result of this conversation. That's what I actually care about at this point. Oh, I love that. No, that's so good. Yeah. I also think we do so much communication in writing, like in text mm -hmm. and or like direct messaging or whatever. And I think that it's very easy. It's very hard to express yourself in writing exactly how you're feeling. And it's very easy to misconstrue, misconstrue, put more value. Like, and I, this is why we love voice memos. (laughs) But honestly, <laughs> right? Like yep. I think that um, a lot, not a lot there. Well, maybe a lot. It depends. I think a good amount of miscommunication that happens, especially this day and age is people replying to shit on social media and then all intonation is lost in the reply all. And sometimes it's honestly just easier to like delete and block or you, you know what I mean? Like not engage 
which is also appropriate. If someone, especially someone you don't know, is full on attacking you on the internet, delete and block is fantastic. But to your point, Lee, like, is it always healthy to just back out of a conversation? I mean, that's definitely going to be situationally dependent. Yeah. I mean, I think if you know that there's no willingness to kind of come together on the other side and it needs to be a relationship. Like, let's say it's your crazy uncle at Thanksgiving dinner, right? Like they're your uncle. They're funny. You like seeing them at Thanksgiving. You know, they give your kids like nice gifts. They care a lot about your kids. You know, they care a lot about you, but you know, almost every single thing that comes out of their face with regards to their personal, you know, views on politics or the environment or whatever is like completely diametrically opposed to me. I'm not going to go there. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like, I'm not going to be like, Hey uncle Judy, whatever. We're like, I'm going to have it out. Like, it's just, it's, it becomes a pointless thing. And I think that that's something else, you know, like even just looking at different members of our, of our sort of broader family, just recognizing like some of these people have been who they have been for a long time. And, um, you know, research shows that basically the older you get, the less flexible you are in your thinking. Right. Yep. Um, and so what, what am I trying to do here? Am I trying to main, you know, have a relationship where there, where we can minimally enjoy a meal together twice or three times a year? Yeah. That's what I'm after. So is that going to come about from me fighting with them about stuff? Or and potentially being wrong, but even just broaching it, no, it's really not. It's really not. When a conversation can happen in that sort of collaborative, this is the information I have, this is the information I have, I am happy to be wrong. Right. If someone brings me something that I'm like, oh yeah, I had no idea about that, or genuinely like, whoa, that's totally new information for me, or like, oh, I had no idea that that was your experience with XYZ, like. I can really appreciate why you see things from the perspective you see it from. And also that might inform how I move forward on whatever that happens to be. I am so there for those conversations, but for me, it has to do with sort of both sides Mm -hmm. being willing to sort of hang in that space. And that that's not possible for a lot of people. Hey man, I used to like genuinely Mm-hmm. Used to just try and find ways to be right, even once I had the information to prove that I was wrong. <laughs> I mean, I can't say I haven't done that. I definitely have done that for sure. Oh in the past. man! At this point, though, no, not so much. I don't and really like care. zero joy stems from those conversations. Yeah, because it's just about rightness. Oh, it's right? it's like the point is gone. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It and, is and- like long gone. It's like across the street, going. It's like out of there. Well, and also too, that's when you have to look at, you know, again, because for me, it's all comes down to the relationship, right? So like, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to be in relationship? Are we trying to be right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can be in relationship and be wrong, cool. But if I can be right, but like be right by myself over here and maintain the relationship, then okay, that's fine. That's fine too. Right. I don't need to say anything about it. What about you, Miss Annika? Well, it's funny. I think if you had have told 20 year old me that I was going to someday have a podcast where we intentionally looked for the middle ground, I would have laughed in your face. <laughs> oh, 20 year old Jenny and 20 year old Annika would have been <laughs> such dickheads together about oh, that. Oh my God. I was, I re- like, I would seek out arguments. And I, look, I've always been somebody who's very passionate about things. I've always been somebody who, 
like one of my graduation gifts was a a hammer because it was like I had such clear ideas about right and wrong. A metaphorical hammer, not like no, hey, a fi- no, like a, go build something. No, like a physical one, like a physical one because with a metaphorical meaning. Right, because you know, I've I've always been somebody who's very passionate about political issues and I have had very clear ideas about what is wrong and what is right, but when I went through in my late teens, early 20s, a kind of deconstruction of my faith, leaving the church, leaving Christianity, it kind of, well, as the pendulum does, at first it swung in the opposite direction. So then mm-hmm. I had to just really dig in on all the same principles, but for completely different reasons mm-hmm. on the other side. Um, and I really, you know, being an only child, similar to your firstborn experience, like I had to be right or I would I would, I would be alone. If I could Mm -hmm. prove to somebody I was right, then I would be safe in community because they would accept me because I was right. And that was the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my value then was in, can I change this person's mind? My value Mm -hmm. is in, can I show you that I'm right? And you agree with me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, where, Surprise, surprise. I've realized. And again, I think some of this is, you know, as my as my community around me has shifted and as people have matured, you know, I think a lot of 20 year olds are a lot more likely to get into, at least when I was 20, <laughs> happy, yeah, to, but- happy to take the bait that I would, you know, throw out and then we could totally juvenile juvenile thinking is very black and white. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. considering our brains don't like fully quote unquote mature until we're 25, you are describing the phase where you were developmentally in juvenile thinking, which Your is inherently poor little prefrontal cortex was not done growing yet. No. <laughs> and I think it's really interesting because even despite, you know, all of the work that I've done, the conversations that we have, you know, the space that I live in now, even just this last weekend, um, my husband and I were chatting, you know, one evening um, after my daughter was in bed and he said, you know, it's really, you are still very hard to talk to about things. Sometimes you immediately decide that I'm wrong. You immediately tune out. We were talking about, you know, a, a sociopolitical issue specifically. And were you like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I was like, you just don't understand. Oh, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. Like, oh, damn it. <laughs> He's right again. But I think, you know, I touched on this a little bit in the last episode too. My husband and I have very, clear shared values. What we also have is very different ideas sometimes about the political way to get there. So, you know, I am just as guilty of doing, you know, the thing we talked about last time where your, you know, opinion becomes your identity and you Mm -hmm. are the problem because X, Y, Z. And I think especially now I'm far more likely to do it in relationship with my husband than I am with like, you know, my acquaintance from the gym or, you know, a stranger online because of kind of that piece you two are talking about that. Like, I just don't, I don't have that attachment anymore, except for my, like, bless his heart, my poor husband. (laughs) You who still kind of has that flare up that right conversation though like you and, know where like you're not gonna yeah no and I mean to Lee's point like I'm not here to get a divorce you no. know that's yeah. <laughs> not the purpose of us having that conversation right no. but it no. was it was a good reminder for me that I still have a I still have a lot of work to do around that I still have this stuff come up around my safety and my acceptance in being right and mm-hmm. that can be very hard to untangle when we've, you know, when I've spent so long building it into who I am. Totally. 
Oh, for sure. I totally, I super resonate with that. And actually one of my favorite things to do with Dave, because we politically same, we, we, um, have, we agree on a lot on the same principles, but it's very interesting how his lens votes differently than my lens. Mm -hmm. But, but what's really interesting is being like, Hey, uh, cause you can do this with your spouse. Hey, who are you going to vote for? Tell me why <laughs> I love hearing why. Yeah. I love mm -hmm. hearing why too. I love mm -hmm. hearing why, because, and then he'll do the same thing. And there's just as much, you know, misinformed components from my viewpoint as his, as well as well informed or just differently informed because you mm -hmm. can, when, especially when you're looking at things like, um, and this is politically specific, but when you're looking at things like, um, federal budgets and stuff, like there's mm -hmm. a lot of different ways to interpret information and numbers and what you're being presented from like one party. That's like, well, this is the best way to deal with a budget because X, Y, Z, they're going to cherry pick numbers. The other party's going to cherry pick different numbers. Like everybody's finding, um, th their, you know, rationale from different places. And it's very complex. And unless you're an expert in that area, you're probably not actually really able to tease out who's air quotes the most right with it. And there's also so many other factors, like just because that's a proposed budget doesn't mean that it gets approved and goes through just because someone says something in their platform doesn't mean they're actually going to do it. Like yes, all of that. They stuff. Don't. <laughs> no, they really don't. It's just to get it yeah, totally, but it's really interesting. And it used to be really polarizing to have those conversations. Now, would I ever ask my father-in-law? <laughs> Absolutely not. But I can ask his son, which is a watered down version. <laughs> and it actually genuinely helps inform me when we're on the topic of, you know, voting. It actually helps me to find that other, other side. Because when you're looking at a space like politics, where um, there's a very uh, calculated representation that gets put out on all fronts, mm -hmm. every single person in politics cherry picks how they are going to come out and make their appearance, right? Mm -hmm. It's genuinely helpful to find people with different ideologies mm -hmm. to, to just be like, Hey, you don't have to tell me who you're going to vote for. But usually when people have like an ideology, they're happy to just say, but yeah. to have those conversations about like, why, w like, why do you really like this party's platform on whatever? Mm -hmm. Well, and it also has a lot to do with people's you know, the things that are on a core level important to them. You know, yeah. I mean, I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine in the States um, about Trump and she was like, I basically hate the guy and I have to vote for him because my mm -hmm. religion dictates that I have to vote Republican because they're mm -hmm. the only ones who are out and out pro-life. So, right. and I was actually just going to say, I feel like this conversation doesn't happen as much in the States because of the two party system. Totally. I mean, we're very fortunate here. We've got lots of options, right? And because we've got we lots really of options. We really have three. I, well, but they have to- But it's better to, than two. It's way better <laughs> than two. And on the federal level, there's actually five, right? Like we don't yeah. vote for the Bloc mm -hmm. Québécois, but the Bloc Québécois is a very like critical- They're very in, they are influential in policy. Influential. And, yeah. Right? And yeah. so basically having five parties that then have to collaborate in different capacities because like, mm -hmm. I mean, Annika, when was the last time we had a majority government? Like, I don't know. Long enough ago that, I mean, I ranted about this before, but something like the confidence and supply agreement is 
to me, that is the sweet spot. Yes. Regardless of my own personal opinions about those two parties. Yes. Something like that means that more voices are being heard, more opinions are at the table and more people are being represented, which is the point. They actually have to work together instead of just be a bunch of children digging their heels in and just voting the opposite to to vote on party lines. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they have the whip to keep them in order. And so I, so I think, you know, it becomes a really important thing to consider that too. I mean, both of your husbands are in finance, right? So for obviously sure. yeah. for yeah. both of them, the finance aspect of mm-hmm. voting is of critical importance. I am not in finance. I'm far more interested in social issues and far more interested obviously in mental health and education and that kind of stuff. And of course those things have financial ramifications, but I'm not looking at like, I don't know, the debt. I'm just kind of like, how can we people keep people from dying? I don't know. That feels like important to me. Right. So, you know, when we're looking at, at these things as well, it's really easy for me. I don't do this, but like, it would be really easy for me to label all conservatives. Let's just say as like women hating misogynists. That is not necessarily true. I know many men who vote conservative. I'm just using this as an example. I'm not saying that all men are conservative or all, all conservative voters are men. And I can tell you that they deeply care about women, but they also sure. just really would like for them, debt and fiscal responsibility is a core important value for them. And that's what they feel like that party yeah. just sort of aligns better with them. Right. So, yeah, I think, I think this is one of the gifts of getting older I have picking your battles comes with age. I also have less fucks to give. Right. Yeah. So I'm a little bit too much of a fuck over here. Then I'm going to drop the ball with my kids after school activity or then I got to go to bed because I'm tired and I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, it's exhausting. Giving fucks is exhausting. It is. So when you have less fucks to give in the first place and you're able to hold more of a nuanced or 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 multi-layered view as to why someone may believe xyz and have curiosity with it totally and have curiosity but i think that that's the key thing here the key thing is you know kind of like in our first episode that thing that we read from jenny was talking about being able to have humility and then also i think having curiosity right you know one of the i was listening to a great podcast about helping people get out of cults for example okay oh and oh i there, that's a niche if you've ever mentioned one. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Listen to, I've listened to a lot of those. Um, and one of the key things to do if you have a loved one who's in a cult is to keep them talking, right? Mm-hmm. And if you can keep mm-hmm. in relationship and keep them talking, then there is an opportunity at some point, it might be tomorrow, it might be in 20 years, where that cognitive dissonance that they are inherently experiencing, but they are repressing is going to come to the forefront. And then they might be able to come to you and say, help, I need out. One of the <laughs> things to stay in this relationship with them is to stay curious, right? If mm-hmm. only from a conversational perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So even from a conversational perspective, being like, huh, tell me about how XYZ cult leader um, knows he's the second coming. Tell me about that. You know, I'd like to hear about that. What do you think about that? You know, what, uh, what, have you had an experience where that feels correct to you? Right. Like just keeping those, keeping those questions going, but very much just keep holding it with like sort of the energy of an open hand, an open hand and and an invitation, right? You know that this person's in a cult and that it's dangerous and it's terrible and they need to get out. But 
telling them that is 100% one way to get them out of your life real quick. Mm-hmm. I think what's interesting about that too, on a way like lesser scale about keeping dialogue is that um, keeping any type of dialogue just means that there's space for any conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think as we get older and we have less, less fucks to give and you know what mm-hmm. I mean? You have, you end up with talking to just less people because you focus on the people that are, you know, you want to spend the time chatting with. Mm-hmm. So if you have someone that you deeply care about, but ideologically have, it's been really challenging the last couple of years, keeping that just basic dialogue. Hey, haven't chatted in you a while. How are your kids doing? How are mm-hmm. you doing? You know what I mean? I think that just keeps, it keeps just the keeps open. the door open at a very maybe superficial level, but you know what? It's still a door that's, that's open. And if it's a relationship that's important and you really can't have any more in-depth conversations than that, for whatever reason, I mean, that's probably a great sort of start band-aid mm-hmm. bridge. Mm-hmm. The other thing is too, is that like, I think I'm also just as I get older, I think I'm less interested in just having everyone agree with me. Yeah. It feels boring. It feels a little mm-hmm. boring. I'm not looking for fights. No, but there's no growth in just right. going in circles. About, no, you know I'm not looking for anybody to just be like, yeah, I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for someone to just be like, oh yes, yes, you're right. And everything is good. Like, uh, it just feels well, a hundred percent. It's, I think this is that key piece too, is like diversity is actually delightful. I was chatting delightful. with my girlfriend yesterday about how, you know, it feels she's got a teenage son and, you know, he's got a lot of teenage girls, you know, coming in and out of her life. And she said, you know, it's so hard to see all of these girls who want to make their faces look the same. I'm like, oh, it's so boring that everybody wants to look mm-hmm. the same. I want somebody to have a crooked nose. I want somebody to have you know, big hips. I want somebody to have weird eyebrows. Like, I love that actually. And mm-hmm. I think the same goes with, you know, it's, it's okay when it's not physically threatening somebody's existence that mm-hmm. we don't all agree on something. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately that's the cornerstone of a good democracy is mm-hmm. conversation and and debate and disagreement. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that's how, I mean, you run countries effectively, but that's how you run communities effectively too, right? Is because you, you want so, like, at a, I mean, okay. So for a very minuscule example, I have decided to learn how to garden and like actually learn, not just do what we do every year, which is like plant shit and hope, hope it grows. And sometimes it does just do it. <laughs> and sometimes it does. And we're like, we're really good at this. And then sometimes it just doesn't because we put no thought into it. But if I were to for example, share on Instagram, like, oh, look at my veggie garden. And someone were to, one were to comment and be like, honestly, if you plant this plant beside this plant, like this thing happens and it's not good. Like they don't, not all plants grow nicely together. Like That's actually really helpful information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. When you so, can take that in and not feel threatened about like, oh, I ruined my garden and everybody thinks that I did it wrong. And no, 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 like, no, no, no. Well, maybe that's your experience, but it won't be mine. You know what I mean? So I think it's just like, it's nice to, and I am 20 year old me could have never received mm-hmm. something as basic as like, Hey, when you plant this beside that, they kill each other. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'd be like, Oh my God, thank you so much for telling me that. Cause my source was the dude at the garden store and he didn't tell me that. And he <laughs> just saved me from like my plant babies dying. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Yep. I think the more information that comes to the table when you're in space to hear it, the better. And like, that's where growth and interesting conversations happen too. 
And I think, I think that's an, that's a really sage point because if you're noticing that you're not in a space to hear it, that's important information. Mm -hmm. Totally. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're in, if you are not in a space to have, you know, some guy say to you, Hey, this, I saw this and this is how it is. And that's a pretty neutral statement. If you feel, if you feel triggered or react personal or something like that, right. Then that's probably an indication that there's like, that shouldn't be triggering to you. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. on, it's on a purely surface level, that should not be something that flies you into like fight or flight or safety or rage. Mm-hmm. And if it does, then that probably is an indication that there might be something underneath there that's trying to tell you something, you know? And this is why everyone needs to go to therapy. Everyone needs to go to therapy. Honestly, <laughs> it should Jenny, be a requirement. Jenny's the first person to say that everybody, everybody needs to go to therapy. Everybody needs to go. You heard it from me first. Yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, we can all do better with some we can all do better. Okay. Well, good chat, everybody. That was fun. Thanks so much for listening to In the Middle. We really appreciate your support. And if you could do us a good favor and subscribe and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us.